morning to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. That happened to be where we were last week, and we're going back there and look at another verse and consider something that is related to what we had to say last week, but, uh, but different. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 6. And raised, or hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To repeat what I've been saying for many long years now, Understanding the person and the work of Jesus Christ and living in the light of who you are and what you have is the key to everything. Let me repeat that because if you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to uh, prosper spiritually, whatever it is, if you're going to defeat depression, if you're going to overcome your enemies, regardless of what it is, when the Bible says, looking unto Jesus and consider Him, this is exactly what it's talking about. And that is understanding the person that is the wonderful attributes and so forth concerning Jesus, understanding the person and the work of Jesus Christ and living in the light of who you are and what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's the solution. That's the key. But the problem is most people don't do that. And in fact, many people who think about, you know, uh, how blessed we're going to be in the future really give very little thought to how blessed they are already. Although our text does just that, I was thinking this week, you know, I've heard a lot of sermons over the years, but that I can remember, I've never heard a sermon on verse number 6. I've heard people read it. I've heard them talk about it. I've heard them include that, you know, in a Bible lesson, but I've never heard anyone just preach a message on it. So, looking at this verse... I I am reminded that I have been redeemed, resurrected, raised, resting, and rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in order to get the full story, we have to consider it in the context. And so we're going to look at the verse before and the verse afterwards and speak to you this morning about the riches of His grace. Notice verse number 5. It says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Here, we find Paul speaking about regeneration. In fact, it's likened unto a resurrection, that he has raised us up, he quickened us, that is, he made us alive. Remember last week whenever I talked about the fact that there are dead people among us. Really, I said you might even shake hands with someone that is a dead person. And and naturally, we're talking about people that are spiritually dead. Well, you know, when you think about being spiritually dead, that's a bad shape to be in, right? 
And, and notice what he said, the first two words, even when, and, and it's as though he's saying that this is the worst case scenario, even when. You see, if a person is just defiled, they might be cleansed. If they are only disobedient, they might be corrected. If they are doomed, they might be forgiven and spared. But what do you do with a dead person? We had uh, our young people, some pretty good actors. and one, uh, Which one of you young men want to play the part of uh, this morning? Let's do a little experiment here. One of you brave young men. Really, it's, it's really easy. You just got to act dead. <laughs> Anybody? Right there? Come on up here, son. Come on up here. I want you to lay down right there. Just lay down, close your eyes. Just like you're in a funeral and you're in the coffin, okay? Now, don't, don't, don't you talk to me or I'll have a heart attack. You're dead. Now, what do you do with a dead person? Well, we could try several different things, couldn't we? We could try uh, encouragement. You can do it. Get up. Breathe. Come on, walk. Man, you can do it. I know you can. I've got confidence in you. Well, that didn't work. Let's try, uh, let's try an example. Educa- you know, that didn't work. Let's try an example. Uh, I didn't plan this part. <laughs> Don't you move. All right. Now, you just watch me. I've been doing this for a long time. And, and move your arms out. Put them down. Push, push, push. Man, I can't do a setup anymore. You can do it. I mean, I'll give you an example now. You do what I did. Well, he's dead. Encouragement didn't work. You know, uh, example didn't work. How about education? I'm going to give you a lesson in anatomy. They put bone connected to the ankle bone and the ankle bone connected to the... All you got to do is get all of them working in order and the joints move and you get up. Well, didn't work, did it? And you all knew it wouldn't, right? There's only one thing to help a dead person. That's life. Oh, he moved then. All right, son. Come on. Good job. He needs life. That's the only thing that'll help a dead person. And if you're spiritually dead, look, you don't need an education. You don't need an example. You don't need encouragement. You need life. And the wonderful thing is the Bible tells us here that Jesus is the life. And notice what he says here. He says that we were quickened together with Christ. That tells us that the same life that is in Christ is in us. He is the way, the truth, and the life, you see. It's speaking about our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about our physical resurrection you know, that's somewhere down the road. That's going to happen someday. But if you've been saved, your spiritual resurrection has already taken place. 
It took place the very moment that you received Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's why it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 12, he, he that hath the Son hath, that's in the present tense, hath life. Spiritual life. You know, a lot of people think, well, whenever I die, I'm going to get eternal life. I'm going to go to heaven and then I'll have eternal life. No, no, you have eternal life now. Right now. It's not something you're going to. You're going to heaven, and that's wonderful. But the eternal life is already in your possession. Why? Because Christ is in you. And so Paul is reminding us here of the fact that we've been redeemed or resurrected. And by the way, when a person is baptized, this is a picture of that, that we've been raised to walk in newness of life. But now notice verse number 6 in our text here. And here's the second thing he mentions. Not only have we been regenerated, that is, given life, but we've been raised. And this is different. It says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Now, in the first instance, we talked about our union with Christ. You know, he quickened us, gave us life. We have life in him. But this speaks about our identification with Christ. After Christ was raised from the dead, what did he do? Well, he ascended into heaven, the Bible says, and he was seated seated at the Father's right hand. So positionally, positionally, we are raised with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I understand you're still in the world, right? But positionally... We're with Christ. So being redeemed by Christ, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we are raised up, already raised up with Christ. I want to be sure I don't confuse you, and some of you young people might need to really listen carefully because it's so important. And this is a glorious truth that you need to get a hold of and let it get a hold of you. That if you're saved, you've already been raised up in Christ. You see, that phrase, in Christ, has nothing to do with our physical or our geographical location. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever. That's not what he's talking about. Because when we think about, you know, being raised up with Christ, all he's talking about is that we are represented by Him, that we are positionally with Him in heaven. Let me put it this way. You don't have to be in Canton, Ohio to be in the Hall of Fame. They had several inductees to the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame this last week, I think it was. And uh, I'll bet you right now that not... Not any of them still in Canton. They've gone back home. They're scattered out across the country. But they're in the Hall of Fame. They're in the Hall of Fame, but they're not there at that geographical location. Let me put it another way. Every American does not need to be in attendance for America to be represented at a United Nations meeting. Now, I wish we wasn't even a part of that rotten organization to start with. But, but, but every American is not there. So how is it that we can say that America is at the United Nations meeting? We sent a representative. So we have a representative there, someone acting on behalf of the entire nation. And just as that is true, even so the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven 
representing every believer, and that's why it talks about the fact that we are raised up together, notice, and made to sit together in heavenly places. So we have been raised. You know, I, I love the way Paul put it. I mentioned it yesterday in the memorial service, that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we're still here on this earth, right? But we're strangers and we're pilgrims. We're not home yet. Our citizenship is in heaven. And, and, and because of that, now think with me, because of that and because Christ is already there, we are just as sure of heaven as though we were already there. I mean, there can't be any doubt about that unless there is some power that is so great that it can invade heaven, dethrone Jesus, and dispose of him, then then you and I are safe. There's no reason for us to fear losing our salvation. They'd have to overthrow the Lord. And i got to tell you, I kind of like my chances, amen? Because the odds are 100% that I'm going to be in heaven because I am already there positionally. Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, and He is in heaven in my place, in my stead, and it's just a matter of time until I'm going to go and to be with Him. He has everything else under His feet, and whatever is under His feet can't be over your head, and so you don't have anything to worry about. Amen? Because you have been raised in the person of Jesus. Not only that, but notice what he says in verse 6 again, the last part. And made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That word sit implies rest. It's speaking about the believer's present position in heaven. And it says, notice that we're sitting together in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, someday we're going to sit with him. Now, hang on. Someday we're going to sit with Him in heaven. Won't that be wonderful? In fact, He said we're going to rule and reign with Him. But now we sit in heavenly places in Him. Not with Him. We're here. But in Him, we're seated in heaven in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that tells me there's no striving for me to try to get to heaven There's no striving for me to try to stay in heaven because we're already there. And at this moment, you're in heavenly places in Christ. Nothing can ever change that. It is a done deal. Look, that's the thing that gives us such wonderful peace, knowing that we have eternal security because of our present position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And until that day that we finally rule and reign with Him, we're going to be represented by Him and the One who has all power in heaven and in earth. That gives us blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of blood. Amen. We don't have anything to worry about because notice when he finished his work on the cross, remember he said it's finished. He ascended into heaven representing you and I, and he sat down. He sat down. The work was over. The work was through. He sat down. Redemption's price had been paid, and there he is representing every child of God. 
So we find that there has been a regeneration, that now we have life whereas we had none before. And that we have been raised up together to sit with Him in heavenly places. And that we can rest in that as a result of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now look at verse number 7. And notice here, he speaks about riches. The riches of those that have been redeemed. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Remember, we are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, every Christian is rich beyond compare, rich beyond comprehension, but we have yet to enter into the fullness of our inheritance. We're the heirs of God presently, but we haven't entered into the fullness of it. Remember what he said over in the book of Romans, Paul said, the whole creation groaneth, waiting for the adoption to wit, even the redemption of our bodies. In other words, we are groaning now, as it were, but in that day we're going to be rejoicing as we enter into the fullness of our inheritance. Notice he says, in the ages to come. In other words, and there's no way for us to comprehend this, and God knew that we couldn't get our mind wrapped around this, so He just says, in the ages to come, God's going to show, He's going to show us, notice, the exceeding riches of His grace and the kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What a day that's going to be. I mean... Even though the record of the Scripture and the revelation of the Spirit of God has been telling us all about that land, in that day He's going to show us and share with us what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, speaking about it is a wonderful thing. Singing about it is a wonderful thing. But nothing compares to actually seeing it. And He's going to show us, and that Greek word means to put on display. God's going to put on display the riches of His grace for us to receive. You see, right now, it's reserved in heaven for us, but in that day, it'll be revealed to us. And although this is speaking about the future, it reminds us of how rich we really are And I don't know about you, but that really helps me to think about how rich I am. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, your daddy is a multi-millionaire, and he has left it all to you. And uh, let's say he's 88 years old and about ready to kick the bucket and leave this world, and you know as soon as that old man takes his last breath, all of that millions and millions of dollars, all of that's going to belong to you. I don't know about you, but I'd probably be out looking to pick out a new car or something. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, even though you don't have the money in your hand right now, you know it's coming. It's just a matter of time. And I'm telling you, look, you you already have, as it were, in your possession, because God promised it. When God makes a promise, it's just as good as if it had already happened. Am I right? And God has made a promise that you are an heir of God, a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And in that day, He's going to show you all of the riches of His grace. So just being able to see your present position in Christ changes your view and your attitude about everything else in this life. So the God who saves us, seats us in heavenly places, and one of these days He's going to show us. Show us that glorious inheritance and share with us what He has prepared. Notice what God is going to show us. Because I know some people are thinking about the streets of gold and the gates of pearl and all of that stuff, you know. But notice what God's going to show us. He says the exceeding riches of His grace. How about that? I mean, what could be more wonderful than that? This takes you to the very pinnacle of human thought. I mean, this is as high as your mind can imagine. This is the the sweetest thought in all of the world, the thought of grace and the exceeding riches of God's grace. And God says, I'm going to show all of that to you someday. I'm going to share that with you someday. God's grace is so amazing. God's grace is so abundant. And the wonderful thing, it's available it's available to the worst of sinners, regardless of who you are or what you've done. doesn't make any difference. God's grace is able to save to the, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Whoever you are, salvation is available because of the grace of God. So whether you're talking about a sort or a size, it is a precious treasure that only God can provide. It pushes our imagination to the limits and, and, and even when we get there, even when we get there to the limits of our imagination, we haven't touched the hem of the garment. It's a whole lot better and a whole lot more than we could ever imagine. So regardless of what you've suffered, regardless of, of what you've been deprived of, let's face it, it's not always easy being a Christian. I mean, I know God said He would supply all of our needs, you know, if we seek Him first. But I'll tell you, most of us not happy with that. He said, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. I don't know very many people can really say, as long as I've got clothes to put on, as long as I've got a roof over my head and food on my table, I'm content. Who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? We're not that spiritual. Most of us bellyache and complain about little old silly frivolous things that don't amount to a hill of beans. You know, and we get all bent out of shape because we don't have this and we don't have that. And, and, and listen, there's some people that, I mean, have literally, although they love the Lord, remember Paul talked about being shipwrecked. Paul talked about being hungry. God allowed this great saint to be deprived of food for a period of time. God allowed him to suffer horribly for a period of time. But the wonderful thing is that in that day, in that day, Paul is going to receive his inheritance. And I'll guarantee you this. Nobody, no child of God will feel like they've been deprived or they've been cheated. You see, God doesn't have any poor children. None of us. None of us are poor children. I'll never forget, not long after I was saved, for the first time I heard that song, I'm a Child of the King. Uh, that, there were a couple, a couple of, of sisters, and their daddy was a preacher down around Neosho, Missouri, and uh, was having a fellowship meeting, a youth fellowship meeting, 
And those girls got up over at the Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, and they sang that song, I'm a child of the king. I about come unglued. My father is rich in houses and land. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Oh, listen, when we stop and think about who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ, there's never any reason for us to complain about everything because God has no poor children. And each and every one of us can look out over the expanse of the whole earth. Oh, we can look at the gold and the silver and the diamonds and all of the riches of the earth, and we can look at that and say, I have more. I have more, and you do. You're rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your inheritance includes all of that. Why? Because the meek shall inherit the earth. It includes all of that, but it exceeds all of that. Amen? All of the, all of the gold in Fort Knox is nothing compared to what you're going to inherit in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have all of these riches, and this is the key word, in, in Christ. So in Christ are the riches of Christ, which I will share with Christ as a joint heir. You ought to repeat that to yourself ten times, and then you ought to meditate on it for about an hour, and and it'll affect you for the rest of your life. Why? Because you're thinking about the person and the work of Jesus Christ and who you are and what you have in Christ. You are joint heir with Him. And so again, what we have in Christ, that has to do with the riches of Christ, we're going to share with Christ because we enter into our inheritance. You see, we're now seated. Isn't that what it said? We're seated positionally in Christ. Someday we'll be seated permanently with Christ. So I am there now in Christ. I will be there later with Christ. So my present position is my precious prospect. Think about that. My present position, remember who you are, what you have. Your present position, you are already in heaven, as it were, in the person of Jesus Christ who is representing you and assuring you of the life that he has given. So that's why you can't lose it. That's why we Baptists keep talking about eternal security. If it's eternal today and you lose it tomorrow, it wouldn't have been eternal yesterday, right? It's eternal life that he gives us. And we focus on that, and the more we do, we see the precious prospect that we have based on the promises of a God who cannot lie. And whenever you begin to look at all of the other verses, things like this where Paul says, all things are yours. And let me give you one even better than that. The Bible tells us God is our portion. We inherit God himself, as it were, I can't wrap my mind around that. I can't understand all of that. And whenever I think about it, all I can think to say is like that old song, Oh, come angel band, come and around me stand. Bear me away on your snowy wings to my immortal home. That's all I can think about then when I think about my inheritance. I'll tell you what. I'm revved up, I'm ready to go because I know, I know, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt 
that I have an inheritance in heaven. And Jesus is assuring me of that because he is there representing me until the day that I get there. Until then, like the old song, until then, I guess I'll go on singing. Until then, I guess I'll carry on. A few days ago, I told them I got up and of course, you never, whenever you get up in the morning, you never know exactly what's going to be on your mind. But I got up and I, I was thinking about a song. And I'll tell you, I know it's been 25 years probably since I've even thought of this song. And, and I woke up singing it. And, and I was singing it off and on all day long and, 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 and just couldn't stop. And the more I thought about this message, the more I thought about that song. And while the ages roll, I'll go on praising Him. And my voice shall never tire or grow old. And my song shall ever be, praise the Lamb who died for me. And I'll sing it while the ages shall roll. Amen. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Oh, I'll tell you. God doesn't have any poor youngins, no poor children. If you're a child of God, you are rich because of the exceeding greatness of His grace. And it's just a matter of time till God says, come on home. Amen? Nothing to complain about. Nothing to get depressed about because we know the best is yet to come. Amen. Let's stand together. I, I I fear so greatly that there might be one here today that you don't know anything about this inheritance we've been talking about. You don't have the assurance of heaven in your heart. You don't know that you'd go to heaven if you died today. You can't remember a time and a place in your life where you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And while, you know, the rest of us can sing about how wonderful heaven must be, you're standing here thinking, you know, I wonder what's on the other side. I wonder what will happen to me. Well, let me tell you, it's not a pretty picture, but it can be. All of that can change this morning, and you can know beyond all doubting that you're a child of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and that you have an inheritance in heaven if you'll trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Those awaiting baptism, if you would, please come. Go out this door back here. Brother Rick Morris will meet you there, and we'll be with you in just a little bit. But if God's speaking to your heart about anything whatsoever, would you come while we sing?